ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, goofballs, scumbags, and everything in between. Y'all know what time it is. We are back at it yet again. This is episode 94 of the Football Misfits, home of the Footballing Misfits. I am your host with the most LB, a.k.a. Paper Fronto, a.k.a. My Rainy Black Bottom, a.k.a. Fuck Nasty. Uh, the Sad Spurs fan? Nope. <laughs> I guess it depends on how you look at it. Neither here nor there. And of course, this would not be the Football Misfits without the other host, the man who gets it done, who has been getting it done and will always get it done, Mr. Misfits himself. I'm the host with the most. He's the host with the most test. Y'all may know him as Ronnie, and so do I. Ronnie, say what's good for the one time. Yep. Dímelo, mi gente. Hope everyone's doing good out there. Stay strong, be brave, peace, and all of the blessings. Now, we should note that uh, our good brother, the Spencyclopedia Britannica, cannot join us for this week's edition of the Football Misfits. He's out doing things that are probably above our pay grade, uh, if you will. Yes, I believe rubbing shoulders with um, Kane Dalglish and Ian Rush. There you go. Yep. You know, rich shoulder rubbing, things we don't know anything about. (laughs) (laughs) Far from it, fam. Yeah, well, um, with that being said, so we will be uh, data desking ourselves. So prepare for some errors, if you will, (laughs) at least on my part. (laughs) And if you do keep up with us, uh, normally uh, this was a North London Derby week. Uh, We normally will have the friend of the pod, the gentrified gooner, sometimes enemy of the pod, depending on how the match goes. Uh, unfortunately, he is unable to make it this week for reasons that uh, he will say have nothing to do uh, with the result, which we will get to in a bit. Jokes aside, couldn't be here. Wish he was here. Maybe he'll be here at a later date. Right, when there isn't any NLD to talk about. Or maybe the next NLD, we don't know. But um, until then, I just want to get into this NLD. There's North London Dobby. North London Dobby. Um, Spurs and Arsenal. The long-awaited matchup. Spurs had some smoke for the Gooners. Um, talking about, oh, we were ready since January. I'm like, yep. It certainly looked like it after watching those 90 minutes. And Arsenal, they might have wanted to play that game back in January. Despite missing a player due to injury. One player due to COVID, at least that's what I remember, and a player due to AFCON. So, well, two players, one of them was exiled. So, yeah, shall we get into it? Oh, we absolutely shall. Uh, luckily for me, this this North London Derby did not turn out to be anything like the one earlier in the season, which had me sad. Um, now, when I looked at the lineups, I was a bit stressed out. There was no Christian Romero who seemed to pick up an injury after the Spurs match against Liverpool. Uh, a couple of days prior to that, um, but that wouldn't have that wouldn't be any issue for Spurs. It seemed uh, out the gate, it did look like it was Arsenal's match to win. They, of course, uh, at the time of the match, sat above Spurs in the table and did not need a win. A win, however, would have sealed their Champions League spot and, in the same breath, stopped Spurs from getting that specific Champions League spot. So, a win would have been excellent for Arsenal. And they came out the gates uh, a swing, if you will, attacking that exact spot where Christian Romero was not, where Davidson Sanchez actually was. And for all of 10 minutes, it looked like Arsenal had spurs at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, where the atmosphere was pretty crazy. 
On the other side uh, of the pitch, Spurs seem to attack Arsenal's weak points. Their uh, main center back, Ben White, was on the bench. In his place was Rob Holden, <laughs> who could not seem to uh, hold Spurs' uh, leading goal scorer, Youngman's son, uh, especially in this match. Um, Holding would either press very closely to Son, in which he would be uh, dribbled past or span around, or he would commit a foul. Uh, Son quickly took advantage of this, taking it to him every chance he got. Uh, Bullying that man, Rob Holding. There you go. Uh, Holding caught a quick yellow card on a play exactly like I just explained. Ball into Son. He spins off of him, and he's like, nope, come here. Let me give you a hug. Uh, that would prove to be a bad idea, but not before Spurs would win a penalty caused by none other than Rob Holding on Youngman's son. A ball crossed in, uh, some chaos in the box, and Holding basically uh, tackling Son out of the air, it seemed. Paul Tierney wasn't having none of that and called the penalty. Worst possible news for Arsenal and the best possible start for Spurs. Kane puts away the penalty, 1-0, and I was in dreamland. Now, it was a derby, and anything can happen in a derby. I should say a derby, my bad. Um, derby, no, you're right. Derby, derby. Now, things would get worse for Arsenal as a long ball from Eric Dyer to none other than Hyungmin's son uh, makes the run right into Holding's elbow, which just happened to be tucked outside, waiting for his son's face. Paul Tierney, the ref, was five yards from there and said, boy, I just saw you do that. Can hold this <laughs> two yellows in the span of maybe 10 minutes and conceding a goal at the same time, uh, holding it sent off. And it looks like from there, I mean, we've seen Arsenal pack it up pretty well with, with, with a man down. This would not be the case. Uh, Spurs would score a goal just shortly after that. Kane would uh, sneak past Eddie and Ketia and crouch down, head the ball into the back of the net for 2 0 off of a cross. And at that point, like I said, in the past, I've seen North London derbies go from 2-0 up to the Spurs and losing the match 5-2. Not just once, maybe twice. Um, and so anything is possible, but this particular match didn't feel like that. It felt like it was done and dusted. 2-0 was all Spurs needed uh, and a man down as well for Arsenal. And that was basically the match there. It was all Spurs from that point on. few chances for Arsenal thrown in there, but uh, Spurs would score another one at the beginning of the second half, courtesy of the very same Youngman son, and that really wrapped things up. They killed the game, three nil to the Spurs. I'm happy, you know, uh, and that was pretty much all she wrote. That uh, created an even more interesting uh, uh, twist to the uh, top four race, which Spurs and Arsenal have been going at for quite some time. And the good thing about this match, even though there were, there was a postponement and there's been some beef on the social medias and between the coaches. It could not have come in a, at a better time for the entertainment factor. I can't remember the last time Spurs and Arsenal have been competing for that coveted uh, fourth place spot, <laughs> that Champions League spot. Um, you know, something that Ronnie eats for breakfast. He's like, what do you mean coveted? I've been doing this for years. I can't remember the last time it was in the Champions League. Uh, Damn, top four in England is a trophy damn near, like... The way some teams get for that, boy, just look at Manchester United last season. Exactly. It gets it gets crazy. And I think, especially for me being a Spurs fan, this match meant so much more than just the Derby itself. It was all points mattered in the situation. And Spurs getting the win brought them within one of 
Arsenal, they would overtake them for fourth as Arsenal have yet to play. They play on Monday versus Newcastle. Spurs would go ahead and beat Burnley on Sunday today, day of recording. Briefly take that fourth place spot unless Arsenal uh, can take care of business against Newcastle on Monday. Uh, with two matches to play for Arsenal and one left to play for Spurs, one thing is for sure that the top four race will go down to the end of the season, something that I've seen time and time and time again. It makes Premier League football for me most enjoyable and also most stressful, which is why I have no hair on the top of my head. <laughs> I still think Spurs are going to find a way through their last matches against re- already relegated Norwich. Whereas Arsenal have Newcastle on Monday, which could easily be an L, could easily be a dropped point because Newcastle isn't a slouch anymore since the takeover, since January. For the way they ended their season, is pretty good. And Spurs will pounce. So by the end of it, Arsenal are back in European football. So shouts to that. Champions League football, that might have to wait still. Um, Spurs are back in the Champions League come this time next week, if you ask me. Yeah, I think for me, I'm a bit more pessimistic on that front. I think Arsenal will take care of business in their last two matches. I hope they don't, in my heart of hearts, of course. Um, but I've been in this situation time and time again. Uh, and the competition for Arsenal, maybe a week or two ago, may have been intense in that Everton, who they play on the final day of the season, did or maybe still might be fighting for that relegation spot, trying to stay alive and fight for their lives. At this moment, Newcastle, who they will play, seem to be locked in, loaded. They are safe, and that match may not mean as much for Newcastle as it does for Arsenal. Now, of course, anything can happen. And on the other side of the coin, not only do Arsenal need to make one more mistake before the season's over, Spurs will need to finish out their last match of the season against Norwich, a team already relegated, the worst team in the Premier League. Why am I stressed out about that, you ask? But let me tell you, Ronnie, I've even seen Spurs at some point lose to an already relegated Newcastle's team, not just any scoreline. 5-1 was the end score, I believe. Newcastle were also a man down on the final day of the season. Uh, so anything can happen when you're supporting Spurs, uh, in this case, me. Uh, so I'm holding my breath until the last kick of the season. Anything can happen. And that's where I stand. I'm pessimistic about it. I hope I'm proven wrong. Uh, that's where I'm at with it. In the top four race. That's my same energy in terms of the title race. I said the title isn't already done in December. When Manchester City apparently had a lead that no one else could catch. Where people already gave them the lead, the league in January. Where Farmers League was considered. While Man City might still be able to see it through. Liverpool are making a fight out of it. And everyone thought just because they drew the Spurs. That was it. City all the way. I beg to differ, especially after seeing them drop points today against West Ham on Mark Noble Day. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that, that, that match against West Ham could have easily been a loss for City. Uh, they did rescue a point, in my opinion, uh, and they could have taken all three points had it not been for Riyad Mahrez having his penalty saved by Lucas Fabianski. Crazy result, but you're absolutely right. Anything can happen in the Premier League. All they need to do is just drop one more uh or just lose, actually, is what they need to do. Liverpool currently sit four points back. They do have that game in hand after playing in the FA Cup this weekend. So they will have two matches remaining while City have just the one. Liverpool can win and City lose on the final day. City, by the way, will play Aston Villa, 
Liverpool has Southampton yet to play and Wolves yet to play, two teams that have nothing left to play for for the most part. Uh, so like you said, anything can happen. I think for me, in regards to the title race, it's the same feeling I have with uh, Spurs finishing top four, just in a different aspect. I'm going based on what we've seen in the past. Uh, Man City, when they get this lead, be it one point or 15, uh, they hold on to that number one spot. And I think with one match left to play, they will take care of business uh, to get that in, what, fourth title in five years or whatever you call it. Now, it would be entertaining to see, to see Liverpool make that comeback. Do I think it'll happen? No. I know Liverpool fans will be also holding their breath because they have finished the season just one point behind City before. In that season, they had a whopping total of 99 points. Ridiculous stuff. But is the Premier League. Anything can happen. Before we get to Liverpool's weekend, let's quickly go through the Premier League relegation battle. <laughs> battle lines are being drawn. It's a fight between three teams, and which one is gonna, which two rather, are gonna be the ones to outlast the other? Currently, Burnley are in the relegation position. You mentioned they lost to Spurs. Leeds United on the weekend, they drew Brighton after losing three nothing to Chelsea in the midweek. And then Everton, in one of the games of the week, lost to Brentford 3-2. They, by the end of the match, were down to nine men. Salomon Rondon came on for five minutes, and he said, yeah, let me, let me go back out. I don't want to keep on playing this relegation bullshit. Although they are in pole position to stay alive. Absolutely. I think this weekend was one of those, just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. Everton, uh, Burnley, kind of flip-flopping with Leeds sprinkled in there somewhere. Uh, nobody wants to secure their safety. We saw Burnley win three straight, and they lost the next two. And, uh, firing of Sean Dyche high seems to have worn off now, and they're in a rough spot. Uh, they do have the game in hand on Leeds. Leeds, on the other hand, who, like you said, drew Brighton, could not get that result out. And then ultimately for Everton, what a way to lose that match when they were ahead, even though they were down a man, conceded two headers in like the span of a 35 seconds or something like that. Ridiculous stuff. And they're not safe either. I don't know which way this will spin. Um, I did say Everton were going down after, uh, well, I backtracked and said they actually will go down. Uh, could, still very, <laughs> could still very much happen. They haven't played the worst in this uh, murderer's row like I thought they would. Now, the Leeds, on the other hand, have been pitiful. Uh, they just continue to attack with their head cut off, it seems like. And Burnley, you just don't know what you're going to get. So, honestly, I have no idea what's going to happen come the season's end. But much like the title race and the top four race, it is final day stuff that we'll see. Yes, the final match day. Still a lot on the line from the title to the top four to relegation. This is the part of the season I thoroughly enjoy. Um, not just in England, but in other leagues as well. We'll get to that. But to stick in England, there was silverware to be handed out at Wembley. Yes, but not before these two teams who have done it in the past. I'm talking Chelsea and Liverpool. They were going to put us through 120 plus minutes. We were not getting less than two and a half hours of footy. Penalty kicks included, no matter which way you spin it. That's how these two teams go. And on top of that, they won't even give us a goal in reg regular time. They won't do it. 
They're like, nah, we're gonna go nip even this. though they want to. Luis Diaz was on dirt, he was looking for goals, but no one on Liverpool could convert. Andy Robertson hit the post twice, I believe, in the span of like a minute. Insane. Liverpool had a lot more chances than Chelsea did, though they had chances on their own. But at the end of it, it came down to penalties. And unlike the Caribou Cup final, it didn't go all the way down to the goalkeepers. It did go into sudden death, but a couple of misses by both sides. Cesar Aspilicueta for Chelsea. And Sadio Mane having his shot saved by his countryman, Edouard Mendy, in the first five. So I go into sudden death. And then Mason Mount, who has a shit record at Wembley, apparently. <laughs> Um, he had his saved by Alisson and Tancostas Timikas, the Greek frick, gave Liverpool the second piece of a potential quadruple. Yeah, uh, very interesting how both matches went down to penalties. Not a goal in sight, like we said. Chances are plenty for both sides. Um, and we got misses early on in the penalty shootout, unlike last time. Uh, and I, we saw misses that I didn't think we were going to see, or saves, I guess you can say, that we didn't think we were going to see. But ultimately, Liverpool took care of business in the shootout. They went almost perfect, just missed the one. Um, and yeah, I mean, kudos to Chelsea. A team has, has been down in the dumps the last couple of months. They have been strong. One thing I will say is these two teams, this is the second time in a row in a couple of months where they gave us a nil-nil draw in regulation and extra time. And it was entertaining. It wasn't boring. So, I mean, once in a while you'll see that, but for them to do it twice, both times they play each other, it seems that they're very evenly matched against one another, and they also seem to just not convert the chances that they get. But fair enough, from a neutral perspective, entertaining enough, Liverpool win their second cup of the season. Uh, like you said, they're on pace for two more potentially. We will see what happens with that. One last point on Liverpool. Uh, their first FA Cup win since, I believe, 2006. Yeah, man, that shows that you got to start giving fuck about these FA Cups. Yeah, they, and then uh, Jurgen Klopp finally kind of locking up the, the, the English uh, trophy cabinet. He's got everything now uh, to care about, the, uh, the league, and then and now the FA Cup. So he's done, he's done it all here, it seems so. But yeah. Yeah, they finally got over that FA Cup hump and that Carnival Cup hump because it had also been a while since Liverpool won that, and they won it in January, February. So they got through that. The only reason why I would have wanted to remotely see Chelsea win it was for them to complete a FA Cup double with the women winning today against Manchester City. Yes, my pettiness goes down even to the women's game. Um, glad to see Sam Kerr with the brace. She's incredible. The goal that she's been scoring in the last couple of weeks, unbelievable. Sam, they, they pulled out a stat. That she was a golden boot winner six times in seven years in different leagues. That is fucking insane. Kudos. Airhorns for that. Yes, sir. Chelsea, they completed a league and cup double. So, shouts to them. But over in Spain, real quick. The top four is sealed. Signed, sealed, and delivered. We know which four teams are going to the Champions League. We know which two teams are going to the Europa League. So Real Madrid and Barcelona were already through to the Champions League. Real Madrid already won La Liga. They lifted the trophies and everything. Atleti clinched their place in the Champions League recently before this match week. And then Sevilla. Today, on the day of recording, they drew Atletico de Madrid. And that was 
pretty much enough for them. Real Betis, the only team that could have caught them, they beat Granada, but it didn't matter because in La Liga, head-to-head is the tiebreaker, and they just got handed by Sevilla both times this season in league play. So, Real Betis settles for the Europa League, as does Real Sociedad, and the Europa Conference League spot will go down to the final day. And that is between Villarreal and Athletic Club. Villarreal are away to Barcelona, and Athletic Club are away to Sevilla. We'll see who gets to fill that spot. Whoever does, they'll probably do well in that competition. Before we get to the relegation scrap, thoughts on anything in the top seven? I'm happy that they uh, locked up the uh, Champions League race. It's interesting to see Barcelona in second place considering where their season began. And uh, it took a lot to get there. Now, another thing I'm happy about is, and we talked about this before, there isn't that huge drop-off from fourth to fifth, that 20-point drop-off, if you will. So the league looks like <laughs> it's, been, it's been pretty close in terms of competition. It's uh, Villarreal, who, uh, as we all know, made it to the Champions League semifinal, are fighting for their lives uh, in the domestic uh, league. So you love to see the duality of you know these clubs and, and how things shape out towards the end of the season. So I'm disappointed about Rayo Vallecano, who at one point was in the Champions League spot and now are sitting way down in 12th. Unbelievably poor 2022 from them. I don't even want to look at their form. You say Rayo, let's talk about them real quick. They lost to Mallorca today. They were in a position where they they could have won the game. It was a pretty good game between the two of them. Um, I was fortunate enough to watch uh, La Liga, like goal zone, whip around type thing. So they were cutting to this game a lot. And it was... It was a really good, interesting, chippy game between these two sides. Um, that actually got Mallorca out of the relegation zone. Cadiz, they drew Real Madrid today, 1-1. And uh, Phil Collins, man, I don't know about this guy. So there, it looked like there was a foul in the box in favor of Cadiz. And it looks like VAR is going to go look at it. Phil Collins is in his ear trying to see what they say. But he blows full time. And Cadiz did play the better game because this was... Real Madrid light. They use majority bench warmers for this one. A third team goalkeeper, Andre Lenin, the Ukrainian international. Mariano Diaz scored the goal for Los Blancos. It's a wrap for Madrid when Eden Hazard is out there. That's how you know Eden that. Hazard definitely played this game and he got a yellow card. Feisty. Yeah, a little hamburger over there. That's getting some ticks. <laughs> That's one of those. Let me make it seem like I'm working hard. <laughs> Nacho was also playing in, in central defense. Jesus Vallejo as well. It was definitely a throwaway game. And the rest of the La Liga slate is pretty much a throwaway game. They play Real Betis in the final match of the season. They'll probably win that. They'll probably lose that. Either way, they don't care because their attention is on Liverpool. One more bit on La Liga's relegation scrap. Today saw Levante, who were already relegated beat Deportivo Alaves, and that meant that Alaves would be joining them in La Segunda. Now they ain't shit for that one. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm not mad at that. It's Alaves. They didn't really play well this year. And on the final match day, Cadiz are currently in the relegation position, and there are, in theory, four teams who could also drop. Mallorca, Granada, Elche, 
and I doubt it, but to an extent, Hatafe on 39 points. So, at the end of the day, it's going to be either Mallorca or Cadiz, if we're being honest. That was La Liga. Again, all these leagues are wrapping up. It's all very enticing. Um, let's add some more excitement. Coppa Italia. I thought this game was a pretty good game. Despite the result and despite my allegiances, this was a really good game. Um, Nicolo Barrela scored a screamer to start the game pretty early. And then that was the only scoring there was in the first half. Juventus definitely had their chances. They were picking up the momentum by the end of the half. And then pretty much to start the second half, they carried that momentum with Alexandro scoring and Dusan Vlachovic scoring as well. Vlachovic to the point where he's pounding on the Juventus badge and he's pointing to the ground on some, I'm staying here. This is my club. I'm staying here. Vlahovic only scoring screamers, basically. He only scores a banger. Uh, that's how he gets down. Second half was literally goals are us. <laughs> <laughs> and Inter provided that as well. Hakan Chalanoglu scored on a penalty to send this game into extra time. And once it was extra time, it was goals are us for Inter. Juventus checked out. And yeah, both extra time goals came courtesy of Ivan Perisic. And that's a man who scores goals in extra time on every occasion, every whether it's for the national team or the club level, he gets it done extra time. He did exactly that. Extra time, enter stage left. <laughs> he scores the two goals and Inter wins the Coppa Italia for the first time since 2011. Sheesh. Yeah, streaks are coming to an end. And Inter, their league form shows them still in second place behind AC Milan. Today, Sunday, they defeated Cagliari 3-1. A Latoro Martinez brace was the difference. Yep. AC Milan are still holding on to the top spot. They could have won if Cagliari won today. But they didn't. AC Milan did their end of the bargain, beating Atalanta. I think that was the big test for AC Milan to finish up uh, the league, they obviously have one match left and anything can happen, but beating Atalanta soundly was, I think, a statement from them saying, yeah, I think we're going to take this one, guys. Atalanta, uh, in their part, they're fighting to have some type of participation in Europe next season. They are currently outside of the Conference League zones. Um, They're tied on points with Fiorentina, 59. Atalanta could either finish in the Conference League or as high as the Europa League. So we're still waiting to see how everything after four settles out because much like in Spain, the Italian top four is set. Milan and and Inter, we we don't know which positions they will end up in. By the looks of it, it'll be probably AC Milan winning the league. Inter are in second. Napoli and Juventus are locks in third and fourth respectively. Lazio and Roma are in the current Europa League in the Europa League places. So there's going to be club football in Rome. And Fiorentina currently occupies the conference league spot. That could easily be Atalanta. The last match they see is Atalanta hosting Empoli. Fiorentina hosting Juve. Lazio versus Verona. Roma are at Torino. Inter hosts Sampdoria. And Milan are away to Sassuolo. Difficult last match for AC Milan. I think they can get the job done. They will win Serie A. And I think... Atalanta will get the job done as well, beating Empoli 
and finding a way into Europe. I think that's a testament to how close this season has been in Serie A. As you mentioned, the top four is locked off, but from five through eight, they're separated by three points, which is ridiculous. At this time of the season, everybody's neck and neck. Um, and those last European spots will be all the way up for grabs, as will be the title between the, the same city. Now, if you go further down the table, this is where things really got to heating up. Obviously, we uh, have been watching Salernitana closely as they have done everything but lose over the last five matches. With no losses, three draws and two wins over the last five. Um, we talked about their incredible win over Fiorentina a couple weeks back and picking up points against Atalanta. Since then, of course, uh, we saw them also beat Venezia, Cagliari, and they rescued a big point on Saturday against Empoli where they were down for most of the match, scoring late in the second half, courtesy of Federico Bonazzoli. Salernitana are saying, yo, we're not going down by whatever means. They said, fuck what you heard on the football misfits. We're staying up. Facts. It's confirmed that Venezia and Genoa are going to Serie B. Yep, they're up out of here. They do not have enough matches left and enough points left to rescue themselves up out of there. That final spot is still currently up for grabs uh, with Cagliari currently occupying that. Salernitana trying their best to stay up out of there. Uh, they're up, like I said, by two points. On their final day, they will play Udinese. A tough, tough match. Whereas Very tough. And it doesn't help that Venezia are playing Cagliari either. And there you go. And so Cagliari can make something happen late on in uh, the campaign, as late as it gets. And that could be heartbreaking for Salernitano. But based on the way they're, they're playing at the moment, their form, you might have to back them. And that's where I'm at. Their form is a lot better than Cagliari's. I'll tell you that much for, for sure. Um, Salernitana gets it done. I see a scenario where they both draw. And that's how it will end. And that's how the cookie crumbles there. What a fitting way <laughs> to lock off the relegation spot. I'd love to see it. As we say, Salernitana, the coolest name in the league at the moment. Uh, and their form became just as cool over the last couple of weeks. Incredible stuff. Only in the Serie A where you see this tight race on all levels, um, even tighter than the Premier League, which is absolutely fun to see. And then Bundesliga this weekend. Um that was some interesting shit. I was fascinated at the matches more so on the bottom of the table than the top. Real quick, at the top of the table, Freiburg lost their match to, to Bayer Leverkusen. The best match of the weekend. Uh, Had to be. Well, oh. one of the best matches of the weekend because if we go further along in the Bundesliga match window, knowing what was in stake, Stuttgart and Kahn was also very good, but to talk about this one, Leverkusen and Freiburg, fam. Woo-wee. It was, Ooh. oh my God, it was end-to-end. I mean, the, the, the scoreline does not talk about the game enough, but the goals, nah. when they happen, were so big. Obviously, Freiburg were playing for an all-important spot in Europe. Uh, they wanted to lock off a Champions League spot, but they needed uh, Leipzig to lose or they needed Leipzig to, uh, yeah, they needed Leipzig to lose, uh, which didn't happen. And they needed to win. And they needed to win it as well. So Leipzig finished uh, their match uh, in a draw. That was all she wrote. But during the match, the Freiburg players did not know that the Leipzig match concluded just before uh, Leverkusen Freiburg. And it's 1-0 to Leverkusen the entire match. It's looking like smooth sailing for Leverkusen. Freiburg just could not get it done, and they were playing excellent defense. They did have chances. 
and they scored in the 88th to tie things up. And all of a sudden, it was all Freiburg. Leverkusen was shaking in their boots, and so was I. Excitement, and that's what it seemed like. It looked like if there was going to be another goal, it would be to Freiburg. Um, however, the literal last kick of the game, uh, with Freiburg pushing everything they had up forward, including their goalkeeper, who was way out of the penalty box, uh, a clearance happened and landed to uh, Ezekiel Palacios, and he chips it from half field, right over the keeper's head. It bounces once, twice three times before it went into the back of the net. Grueling stuff. Uh, Leverkusen would take the W. 2-1. Unbelievable match. Uh, that was some bullshit, man. <laughs> but this game was very exciting. Like, I didn't have any horses in this race, but for the sake of Freiburg and how amazing of a season they had, I was riding Freiburg. Leverkusen also had themselves a very good season as well. But they're already in the Champions League. So I was rooting for that one place to go to Freiburg. They're already in the cup final. So, you know, let's end the season on a high. But, hey, man, regardless of how this match ended, Freiburg are holding their heads held high. They're in the Europa League because they're in the cup final. Leipzig are already in the Champions League. So that secures that place. and. I am going to thoroughly watch the Europa League for Freiburg's sake, see how they do in this competition. But it was quite the end. A wonderful match overall. And you hope they don't lose too many more players. We've already seen Nico Schlatterbeck commit himself to Borussia Dortmund next season. Uh, but they've got a, a nice crop of talent and excited to see what they do next season. Absolutely. And hopefully they can keep this momentum up. Um, speaking of Dortmund, they beat Erta Berlin 2-1. That match meant a lot to Stuttgart because they managed to get a goal, another goal very late on. It was 1-1 between them and Kahn. Kahn, they were in a similar you know, relegation scrap either last year or two years ago, but now they're safe. Stuttgart, they needed that to get out of the relegation zone, and they are fully out of it. The... um. Wataru Endo scoring in the 90 plus 2 to seal the deal. Pandemonium in Stuttgart. Everyone was up in celebrations. Their American manager, Pellegrino Matarazzo, their mascot, they're all jumping on top of each other. One huge dog pile. This is what I, I really love about relegation scraps. Last day of the season feel. So they are in. Erta Berlin, they are in the relegation playoff. And Armenia Bielefeld are going down. Joining Greater Furt. Erta Berlin plays Hamburg in the relegation playoff. And we mentioned Schalke are back in the Bundesliga. So is Werder Bremen. They went down last season. And they're coming right back up next season. Shouts to the Bundesliga. This has been an entertaining season. And an entertaining final match day. Air horns for the German football <laughs> Well deserved, well deserved. The season's been over, but there was lots left to play for. And and boy, did we get some exciting matches there in the Bundesliga. So I think that wraps up uh, club footy. There has been some happenings. Speaking of Dortmund. So we spoke about Schlotterbeck. What a cool last name, by the way. Uh, moving from Freiburg to Dortmund. Dortmund, however, would be giving up a piece, not just any piece. The man who's been keeping their team afloat 
news broke earlier in the week that Erling Haaland, his search for a, a new club has ended. And it's not Real Madrid. It's not Barcelona. It's not PSG. It's not Bayern, which was actually quite interesting. Obviously, his um, release clause wasn't that high, but Bayern Munich, they don't be dealing with big money signings for some reason. They don't do that. Uh, but they do be dealing with Bundesliga talent. You usually see them lock it down. However, the thing about those teams in Bayern, Madrid, PSG, they all have strikers that put in that work. One team that doesn't. One team that needs one, apparently. Manchester City. Erling Haaland is taking his talents to the Premier League, to the blue side of Manchester. Pep Guardiola got him a striker not named Harry Kane. Big signing. Thoughts on that, Ronnie? I particularly don't care. To be fair, I don't care. But <laughs> it's uh, I don't want to say the signing was a cue for Man City. Because I feel like the writing was on the wall and it always was, dating back to when the man was a youth, dating back to when his pops played for Man City. So the idea of him playing there wasn't far-fetched. Right. And when you couple that with the money that they've got and the coach that they have and the piece that they were missing, it, it adds up even on, on a logical sense. Yes, and allegedly the coach didn't like the fact that teams are spending money the way they are now while he is in a position where his team is spending the type of money that he didn't like. When facts change, opinions change. One thing you're going to get with coaches is hypocrisy. And you got to take that for what it is. Seeing Erling Haaland in the Premier League, I think, will be interesting. He's still young. Um, I think he's got the build to deal with the Premier League in terms of the physicality. And what he will do will be interesting with a team like Man City. One thing's for certain, Kevin DeBron will be happy. He's got himself someone to pass the ball to up front and not necessarily out wide. He pulled off an Erling Haaland-type celebration when he scored during the week. So, yeah, he's definitely happy. He's hyped. That was cool. <laughs> he's like, I see you, fam. I see you. Might be dishing some assists to you instead of having to score four goals against, uh, I believe it was Newcastle United or somebody like that. Uh, the data desk isn't here. Who cares? <laughs> the expectations for him are going to be high as fuck next season. Uh, yeah, I, I, I absolutely think so especially him going to man city and them falling short of the champions league yet again he's inheriting that pressure as well as the pressure of you know wherever him and mbappe go uh or where whether mbappe stays they are the new shining objects in, in footy and so pressure is on times 10 for him absolutely plus the fact that there's that uh, opinion in manchester city of you know whether or not players are able to gel uh, early, we've seen Jack Grealish take some real long time to get to it amongst other players. Uh, so will will that first season be a struggle for Erling Haaland? Will, be, will he be able to hit the ground running? I think that will mean a lot for the reputation that he currently has as a, as a big game player, as a, as a superstar at such a young age. So a lot of things that played there. I think he'll live up to the hype. I don't know. How many goals do you think he'll score? In the first season? Um, over 15, which I don't think is a hot take. Um, I think he'll do over 15, and there I say... Across all comps. Oh, all, all comps, he's going 25-plus. <laughs> yeah, that should be slight work for him, I, I think. 25-plus, uh, but I think the bulk of which in the Premier League, I think at least in the Premier League where eyes will be on him, uh, he's, already get, he's already got experience in the Champions League, but his Premier League account I think will open up, and I think he'll have 15-plus, which, like I said, not the hottest takes, but I think he'll do well. Pretty reasonable. That doesn't sound, like you said, not a hot take. Sounds pretty good. I think pretty much the same, more or less. If he does score, like, in the 20s in the league, maybe, like, 20 even. 
and like thirty across all comps, but that's a that's a that's a good sweet spot. Well, yeah, well, because the thing is, he's got big shoes to fill. Sergio Aguero's first season in the Premier League scored, I believe, twenty three in the league. Uh, of course, and and then that goal as well. We're not expecting him to do that, but yeah, tw- Sergio Aguero, maybe arguably Manchester City's greatest striker, the man, the myth, the legend, put up twenty three. So that's a benchmark for Holland to hit if he can. Agreed, fam. Agreed. That wasn't the only news we heard about outgoing transfers or time being ended at a club. This one, I think it's closer to home for you. We received news today on Sunday, day of recording, that one Paulo Dybala of Juventus, a man who has had appearance after appearance for Juventus, captained the club at a certain point. Has that signature celebration, the little gun on the face covering the mouth. You know how it goes. The little tattoo and all that. There's been rumors circling around him for years that he would leave. At one point, almost to the club that I support in Spurs. Didn't happen, of course. Uh, he's had his issues as well, allegedly, with uh, players like Cristiano Ronaldo and things like that. But that's neither here nor there. He did release a post on Instagram saying that this will be his last match or the last home match of the season. And he's calling it goodbye. What are your thoughts and feelings about Dybala finally uh, ending his chapter at Juventus? A long run. First things first, I don't like the use of the term finally. It makes it seem as if that was a plan all along, and I don't like that. Um, <laughs> Wait, let's be honest. I mean, we've heard rumors almost every season. You hear rumors with players, of course, time and time again. A lot of times it can be BS. But it seems like this is something that's been brewing up. Yes, but in this case, I feel like it's the club's fault for not negotiating a deal to keep this man, to keep this, you used the word earlier, talisman. He's your guy. Like, yeah, you have Kiesa, you have all the other youngins who are coming out on the scene. Vlahovic. But Dybala is still your guy. The only issue with him was that he was injury played, and whenever he was, he would struggle. But he'd score you the goals when he can. He'd hold you down. I'm disappointed Juventus couldn't agree to a deal. And it looks like if he walks to another club, it'll probably be Inter. And... I'm obligated to call him the ups for doing so. But at the same time, this is on Juve. So I think they're ultimately in the wrong. Um, It's disappointing to know that his time is coming up soon. So many memories he provided. All the best on his future endeavors. And disappointing as shit. That's how the cookie crumbles there in the game of footy, unfortunately. Yeah, I agree. Juventus kind of tweaked. Maybe they felt that he wasn't worth it anymore. They do have some up-and-coming talents. They do have a new talisman in Federico Chiesa. But, ah, you know, it's, it's emotional no matter what you do. I felt the way of seeing Dele Alli leave, and he's been terrible for years at this point for me at Spurs. But there is an emotional connection no matter what no matter what you say or what you do in that regard. But, yeah, interesting to see where he goes. If he stays in Serie A and goes to Inter Milan, that would be crazy. Uh, but, yeah, that is how the cookie crumbles. Anything else you'd like to tackle? That goes on Pavel Nedved. <laughs> so, yeah, you know I'm going with that. So, next week promises to be quite an interesting week. Weekend will provide final match days across Europe. Which teams will secure their places in European football? Which teams are going to go down? But we also have the matter of two European competitions on the line as well. We sure do. And it begins on Wednesday with the Europa League final. Eintracht Frankfurt and Rangers. Quite the exciting match. I believe Frankfurt is probably the better side, but the run that they've both been on in the Europa League has been very evenly matched. One of them just won't die, and the other one seems to be on fine form. Now, I feel Rangers would just be sad that they aren't able to play this final at home because that is where they have been doing 
damage. But very excited for this match. The Europa League has been delivering for finalists in the last couple of years, and we appreciate that. Again, we mentioned it last week. Rangers are looking for their first European title since winning the Cup Winners' Cup back in the day. Frankfurt are in the Europa League for the first time in God knows how long. Over like 50 years, I believe it is. So these two teams are looking to end lengthy European streaks. Eintracht Frankfurt's end of the season wasn't really all that great. They need a saving grace in this cup final to play European football next season. They finished in 11th in the Bundesliga, so nowhere near the Conference League. So if they want any hope to play European football, and specifically the Champions League, this is the way to do it. Rangers, on the other hand, they're in European football for next season, regardless of what happens on Wednesday. But they still want to win it because of all the things we mentioned last time we were on. They went through hell and back. They went through financial insolvency, playing in like the third tier of Scottish football. And now they're coming back last year. Or was it last year? Or was it like during the, or was it the COVID year? They had a round of 16 in the Europa League. They could have made a quarterfinal. And now they're in the finals. So the definitely riding momentum. I personally would love to see Rangers win it because of all they've been through. But I feel like Frankfurt are the better team. And I think Frankfurt will win the Europa League in the Ramon sanchez Pizjuan. Yeah, I agree with you that Frankfurt is the better team. I'm going with the heart instead of the head. I'm swept up in the Rangers hype. I think I got them to win. So but the question now is, which side is going to take over Sevilla more? Because we know these sets of supporters are going to roll deep, especially Frankfurt. We've seen it in Barcelona. We've seen it in London. We're going to see it in Sevilla. Yeah, we absolutely We know how Frankfurt gets down. They get crazy. The Scottish fans, I mean, I don't know how far away from the Ibrox they're willing to travel, but uh, worth it to get down to Sevilla and see their boys. I think Frankfurt's going to pack the stadium, though. <laughs> I think they are definitely going to bring a massive crowd Sevilla already plays in white, so I'm like, oh, this is a Sevilla game. It's all white in this stadium. It's going to be a well-supported final. There's going to be people who are just going to show up without tickets just to enjoy the Spanish ambience. Factos. That's on Wednesday. And on Saturday, the Barcelona women are looking to defend their title against the queens of the competition historically, Olympique Lyonnais. <laughs> Can we say Barcelona and keep it pushing? <laughs> 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 as much as I would love to, this is a Barcelona team who won all 30 games in their league campaign. A goal difference of like 148. Leon, they, they are the queens of this competition for a reason. They are the maximum winners. They're not a team that Barcelona's going to just walk all over. I'm actually going to be surprised, if anything, if Barcelona washes Leon. I think Barcelona will win this by the bare minimum of a goal to nil or two to one. Yeah, it could be a close match. Um, you're right, Lyon are the winningest team in this competition. However, this Barcelona team is more dominant than the UConn women's team over here in the States. Talking about <laughs> they don't even draw matches. I mean, they had the one loss in the in this tournament, but that was pointless. It didn't matter. Um, and they just, they're just too good. They don't lose. I can't bet against them, and I won't, and I refuse. Sorry, Lyon. Good competition. <laughs> I can't do it. I'm not doing it. I agree. Barcelona are winning this competition. I I'm only saying that it'll be closer than what I know Barcelona women to be. Watching competition by a lot to a little. As a matter of fact, let me take a look at 
their league campaign. Let's take a look at some of these wild ass results. Six one against Vallecano last Sunday. Six one against Villarreal. Five nothing against Real Madrid. Six nothing against Deportivo Alaves. Seven nothing to Eibar. And we could go on and on and on. I'm looking for that one double digit result because I know it's here. That just ain't right. A double digit result. They probably didn't even concede. Found it. Ten one to Sevilla. Bruh, at least they conceded. <laughs> 8-1 to Sociedad. Uh, you were going to make a point. I'm sorry to cut you off. Oh, no. I was just going to say, in this tournament, you can, all you need to do is just go back to the last year's Champions League final, see how they do teams. But obviously, like you said, Lyon is not Chelsea. Oh. Even Chelsea was a good side. So we thought. Yo, Chelsea, that Chelsea team was really good. Emma Hayes is, is building a foundation at Chelsea women. But Barcelona women were too much for Chelsea. Way too much. All joking aside, I do think... Barca are going to win it. It'll be closer. Their match today against Atletico de Madrid, 2-1 result. And a pair of red cards. Spicy. Bomanti got sent off. Holy shit. Champions League, Barcelona taking it. Factos. And, and the way we were quickly, uh, obviously you gave some kudos to Lyon, but if they heard me uh, talking about Barcelona and the chances that Lyon have in this final, they would probably call it some BS. Would you agree? Oh, and there was a lot of BS to be had with Leon, so let's just jump right into it. It's that time. Nobody is doing like what some journalists do when they write bullshit. Wow, you are afraid to say it. If it's all bullshit stories, what is it? Most of the times, it's uh, it's bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Usually, that's uh, for excitement, but this is me ink for. Clearing the room out of the stench that is Marcelo of Leon. <laughs> Little stinky butt. Man's had mud butt and got sacked by Leon. <laughs> you know he had to have some. And they wear white jerseys. You know he had to have some brown on them shorts. Boy. So to, to give full context, earlier this week, Leon reported by ESPN initially dropped Marcelo from the first team because of quote farting and laughing in the dressing room this comes from espn fc pundit and euro um euro leagues pundit on the football daily julian laurent um <laughs> this whole story is funny um i can't believe it's real i can't believe it's real either fam during a match against angers Marcelo was laughing during a captain's Leo Dubois speech to rally the troops following the game. And it didn't go well with Peter Bosch, the manager, nor did it go well with sporting director Juninho. He was disciplined. <laughs> this BBC headline is wild, by the way. Marcelo, ex Leon defender, denies being dropped for breaking wind. <laughs> <laughs> he went on Twitter talking and to quote him, Thanks at Lequipe. 
after a long time i have come to i have come back to at twitter to deny all the allegations journalism nowadays is a joke he's calling this yellow journalism but all he was going through was brown factos his sacking led him to play for bordeaux yeah part of the relegation <laughs> <laughs> he also scored an own goal marcelo in his final match with leon so apparently he was toxic in that dressing room cheeks off the field and on the field <laughs> it, it was nasty and um just like the farts you've been hearing during this bs of the week that nasty so that is one bs of the week um i wanted to say the funny for last but um go serious first but we were already talking about leon so it's just a smooth transition but we do go to the french speaking part of canada quebec an incident involving a parent and a 17 year old referee at a u14 game in delas de armenu just outside of montreal there's a video of a parent who does not like a call that a linesman made and he goes down from the bleachers and the 17 year old ref's like so what up then so there he approaches the ref and he swings at him but here's what i like the referee he was squaring up like word old man i don't know how you say that in french but word <laughs> like he he had his hands up he was ready the local football association quebec soccer the governing body made a statement Um, we strongly denounce this act of violence, which has no place anywhere, and even less on a f- soccer field. The parent, the, who was responsible, released a full-on statement, and I quote: "On May 7, I was attending my grandson's soccer game. Grandson, think about that. Grandson's soccer game in Delade Amenu. During the match, I initiated a verbal, then physical altercation with a young linesman." I behaved in an unacceptable way and I take responsibility for it. Rest assured that I deeply regret it. As a former teacher, I am particularly aware that this is a very bad example for 14-year-olds. Where he teaches? Jail? <laughs> <laughs> he goes on to say, "I therefore want to offer my sincere apologies first and foremost to this young man and his family, to the players and coaches from both teams and the other match officials." and he wanted to apologize to those who witnessed an example of violence yet completely opposed my own values i also started the process of, to get help because my gesture was unjustifiable and did not represent who i am or what i want to be in other words because there was a camera out i regret everything i did but if there was no camera i would have fucked that 17 year old ref up the montreal police department looking into this incident and that man could face further punishment we shall see that 17 year old um referee air horns for you because yo has was ready for the smoke you were ready lv what have you got okay my bs of the week comes uh on the heels of one that you mentioned at least maybe once or twice uh one oh, quite a while ago the relationship between fifa and ea sports is no more ah uh, yes we definitely spoke about it Now FIFA of course absolutely uh seems to be greedy in the situation. Uh, I'd love to know more details, but on the EA front, my BS of the week comes uh the rebrand, EA Sports FC 23, I believe is the new game that's coming out next season. Now that's fine and dandy, 
my issue here comes they've got a bunch of ambassadors whether it be players or clubs and things of that nature now i just got a problem with the rollout they aren't telling us shit for him uh and when are they expecting us to get some news next year many an instagram post be real ferdinand or even on tandem hotspur's instagram you'll see join the club ea sports fc 2023 more news to come in 2023 like, fam, you couldn't give me some more? Or at least wait a little bit? <laughs> Trying to throw us in a cliffhanger. I don't know what to expect, especially off of the, you know, the heels of this huge news. I mean, we've been playing FIFA for years upon years. So I don't know what to expect. And now I got this tiny bit of information and I got to wait for another whole year. Yes, the week. I could have rolled it out a little bit better. Or just waited. Sit on it. Figure something out. It doesn't look like you guys have it all the way together, which I can understand. But y'all should have just waited. Maybe just a little bit. The promos are cool. They have two years to get their shit together. I'm saying. And all I'm all I'm getting is half a half a sentence of a caption telling me I'm gonna get more information a year from now. Bruh, you're gonna have to remind me anyways. I'm going to forget. Peace of the week. EAFC 2023. Give me some more. I don't know where that leaves FIFA if they go to PES. If they launch their own video game with FIFA branding and what that leaves for EA Sports in terms of whether or not they'll make agreements with the different leagues and clubs because I could, this could easily, well, I think they would have to because all these teams are promoting it. And if they weren't for that, then we would be seeing London Whites and Madrid Red and Whites or Catalan Blue or whatever the fuck. <laughs> exactly. We're already at Pia Monte Calcio. Yeah, 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 yes, we do. But it seems like a lot of these clubs and federations have partnerships with uh, EA Sports. So we'll see where that leaves FIFA. Uh, honestly, I don't care at this point. But y'all gonna get this BS, fam. Can I at least get some information? Maybe not. We'll see. Next. Yeah, time. definitely vague. Now, uh, that being said, Ronnie. Uh, before you find some more Barcelona women's scorelines, do you want to go ahead and sign, sign the boys off? <laughs> Seven nothing to Atleti in January in the Super Cup. <laughs> Seven nothing to Madrid CFF. Oh my God. <laughs> Four nothing Arsenal. Jeez. And I can just keep on going on and on and on for the better part of like two, three seasons. Um, Thank you all for listening to episode 94 of the Football Misfits podcast. We thank you all so much for listening and interacting with us on Instagram. We have a huge episode 95 coming. End of leagues, Champions League final preview, Conference League final preview, and all the fun stuff in between before the summer period, you know, drags us down a little bit. For the good brother LV, I go by the name of Ronnie. We will see you then. Adios, mi gente. Barcelona 6, Juventus nothing. In a friendly, but yeah. <laughs>